0: Um, my name is Philip Brand, and y'all are sitting in a different location back there. Just different people in different places today. This is good. This is change. This is change. This is good. But I still have my eye on you in the back. i have my eye on you. Yeah. So um, just, just to make sure that um, everybody's clear, tonight is really a Christmas worship service for the whole church. It's multi-generational. So, whereas we do have preschoolers and K-5th through fifth graders singing and teen singing, there's also an adult section as well, which I feel weird saying in church, an adult section, it's, it's for us, right? So, anyway, it's, a, it's the whole family that can come to church um, this evening and worship um, Christ and the Savior, so I hope you come out for that. Um, there is not a Finger Food Fellowship afterwards tonight. Um, we are going to have a dessert-aree. After our Christmas Eve uh, communion service, which is really not on Christmas Eve, it's on Christmas Adam, which is on the 23rd. <laughs> so if you can just stick that in your mind, um, 23rd, Adam was before, never mind, you know it, you laughed. That was great. <laughs> it was great. So, so that said, that, that's what's going on this evening. Um, how many of you are finished with your Christmas shopping? Wow, how many of you still have Christmas shopping to do? Great, you have 10 days. This is when stores hike up their prices? So I'm just, I'm just doing, well, great. So, so how many of you think that you'll be ready by the 24th, all gifts wrapped under the tree, not wrapping it right before you go to the place, you know, wherever you're going, like you're struggling to wrap? How many of you think you'll actually be prepared for Christmas with all of that stuff? Good. Right. Now, how many of you have thought about the food that you're taking to your family gatherings yet? Anybody? Yeah, there's some plannings for that, yeah? Oh, you, you've good job, good job. Now, the two people that beat us all in, in all of this, that had it before Thanksgiving, is Joey Caudill, who just buys for his wife, but that counts. You had it done before, you know, that counts. And then Amanda, who who had it all done before before Thanksgiving, um, those are the two individuals that we have had to forgive um, and ask forgiveness for our animosity toward because they were already ready with Christmas. So we prepare, you know, there's things that we do to prepare for Christmas. Okay, hold on to that, hold on to that. Um, I would like to say that I um, have a prayer request for you this morning. Um, I have a a cousin that stutters and I'm afraid he's not, going to be able to finish his prison sentence? There you go. Good. Great. Yeah. My other cousin works for a calendar company. He got fired because he took a day off. There you go. Good. Good. Let me, let me show you this one. Let's show you this one. Um, these are three unwritten rules of church life. Three unwritten rules right there. So jot those down. Jot those down. Um, these are the type of things that happen in my home. Now, I want to I tell you, first of all, that I'm married to a very smart woman. She, she's extremely intelligent. She thinks she's not intelligent, but she's very intelligent. I kind of don't tell her she's intelligent at home because I want to win arguments. But in, in this scenario, I'm going to tell you she's very intelligent. And, but she's very black and white which for someone like me I can really play with right so when i say statements like this she will make a response as if it's black and white like she would be stuck on the cousin stuttering right <laughs> well how long has he went to speech therapy i mean we would go down we would go down that little line line of thinking and why is he in prison why is he there and then eventually she catches up to what I'm actually doing, mainly because um, I have two kids that are already there. I mean, they understand they're not taking it seriously at all. But it's not because she's not intelligent. She's just very black and white. And so whatever is said is what she thinks, and that's how she's going to process that particular, that particular thing. And we love her, don't we, Aurora? I mean, we love her. And she is... Make no mistake, she, she is very smart. And I'm not just saying that because I have to go home with her. I'm just saying she is a very intelligent woman. You can't really beat her on music. You cannot beat her when it comes to building stuff, which makes me feel like less of a man. <laughs> but she can actually run power tools, whereas I'm really dangerous with them. Um, she can figure that stuff out. But she, she's, um, she's, she's very, very intelligent. A lot of people go through life, however, just looking at the facts or the black and white, and they never go beyond to what really is happening. Because, like, in each one of those statements, whether they were good or not, right? Whether the joke, where you got the joke, you thought it was funny, your thought was, oh, that was just horrible, whatever. What you know about those jokes is there's something else going on besides a cousin that works at a calendar factory that got fired because he took a day off, right? There's something else going on. There's not really a cousin. There's not really a calendar company because who would call a calendar company a calendar? You know what I mean? There's something more going on. There's something out here happening. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. By the way, I just I decided not to do the unemployment jokes because they just don't work. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. We're going to begin reading with verse five. And this is what it says. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, remember we talked about him last week, so that you would know who he is. There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So I want to pause there a moment to say that here is an individual that is blameless and righteous. And I would also submit to you today that they were also prayerful. So righteous, blameless, and prayerful. I also want to tell you today that it is okay for you to think of yourself as a righteous person. It is okay for you to think of yourself as a blameless person. It is okay for you to be a faithful prayer. See, we've bought into the lie that we can never say this about ourselves, We've bought into this lie that says, I cannot say that I'm living righteously. I cannot say that I am living blamelessly today. I cannot say that I'm very prayerful. I have to go back and say, I'm unrighteous, I'm very unrighteous, if it wasn't for the grace of God. I'm not blameless if it wasn't for the grace of God, blah, blah, blah. What was funny, did something happen? Oh, bombless. That is not a blameless spelling of that particular word. Great. Bombless. Great. Good. So we're back. There's a lesson there. There's a lesson there. That like we can't say that we're blameless or bombless, right? Or, or that we're, we're very prayerful. Like we just need to pray more. We need to be more blameless and we need to be unrighteous. I'm here to tell you today that it is a testimony to salvation for you to be able to say, I'm living righteously today. It is a testimony to your salvation bought with a price with Jesus' blood that you can say that you're living blameless today. It is okay for a believer to say, I did it right today to the best of my ability and I thank God for my salvation because I could not live righteously, I could not be blameless unless it was for him and his grace and his mercy. It is okay to feel good about how you are living. We have bought into a culture where we just can't feel good about how you're living, how you're doing, what you're doing. And I'm here to tell you that you can say, I've tried to live righteously and I have done it. And I have lived blamelessly today and I have done it. And I'm gonna testify to the grace of God and the power of his Holy Spirit that has enabled me to live that way. Today, Amen? So don't cower in the corner. Don't get a false sense of humility, which is a sin, by suppressing the work of God in your heart and in your life. Zachariah and his wife were righteous and blameless because they followed the commandments of God to the best their ability and ladies and gentlemen that is all God requires of you that is all God requires of you to be focused and faithful and prayer prayerful and doing the best you can to follow him each and every day do not suppress the goodness that comes from that salvation is more powerful than your sense of false humility or your need for it amen so here are people that were righteous and blameless, and they had been praying. Now, I'm going to, we're going to get into that in a minute, but they had been praying. And what they had been praying for was for a child. See, Elizabeth had never had a child. And so they got married, and they started praying for their kid. And Zechariah wanted a boy. Now, some of us don't understand that, some of us just or we're thankful for the healthy baby, right? And I'm not saying Zechariah wouldn't be thankful for a healthy baby, but in that culture, you really wanted a boy. You wanted to pass on your name. So he's not only praying for healthy children, he's praying that one of them will be a boy, that somebody that he can pour into, somebody that he can develop into the priesthood, somebody that would take his position in the temple when he was to pass away. So he was praying for a boy. And I'll tell you this, Elizabeth joined him in that prayer, whereas she would have been happy with any kid. I'll put that on the table. They were still praying for a son. She knew that it was important to her husband. It was important to her, and she just wanted that. She wanted that. Being a daughter of Aaron, which is a granddaughter, really, of Aaron, and in that line of priesthood, she knew the importance of of having a child, having a male, and having him be part of the temple um, in, environment. I'm going to pause here a moment and say this. Number one, I do not make the rules. But number two, all priests were supposed to be male. And in scripture, all pastors are supposed to be male. I don't make the rules. I just proclaim them. That's all I do. It is not because there aren't women that are smart. There are women that are smart. There are women that can speak. Oh my goodness. There are some really good women speakers, lady speakers. And honestly, I like to hear them. I like to hear them. I like to hear what they have to teach. Not from, I have to teach and we grew up with them in school, right? Come on, come on, people. If you're not saying that women are not good teachers, I'm going to have a little problem with this. Women are great teachers. But when it comes to the church, God has said, The pastor is a man, and whether we understand that or not, that is the way that it is. You cannot be a husband of one wife as a pastor and be a woman, because we don't even go to that direction either, okay? So here is them praying for this boy child, and they really, really, wanted it. So verse 8, now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, because they did these in segments, in time segments, like three months, okay? According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So what they would do is they would, they would probably be about, I don't know, 300, 400 priests that's working during a particular moment in time. And they would draw lots for the priests that would go in and burn incense. Actually, what they are doing is they're burning incense and they're actually cleaning the incense table. It was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Not everybody got to do this. And so the lot fell to Zechariah, and he was chosen to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So here's this angel. He's cleaning it. He's putting the new incense in. And all of a sudden, this angel appeared. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. That tells you exactly what they had been praying for. They'd been praying for a boy. They'd been praying for somebody to take his position. They'd been praying for a boy that would be used of God, which, by the way, is a great prayer for you you to pray, whether it's for your kids, for them to be used of God, great prayer. And call his name John. And verse 14 says, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just to make ready For the Lord, a people prepared. And Zachariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife has been advanced in years. Now, back up to what I recently read in verse 14 it says, And you will have joy and gladness. That phrase in the original means that right now, whether they were, they were righteous and blameless, but there was some sadness. There was sadness because they had prayed, and now they're old, and they had given up all hope of having children. So here is this man that's older. He knows his wife is not able to have children. Is everybody following me? Like, she's past those years, whatever that means. She's past those years. And he's standing in the temple, and here's this angel that's telling him that they are going to have a child. And what the angel is saying does not match his circumstance. You tracking? Here is a promise from God, and it isn't matching my circumstance. Has anybody in this room ever had that happen? You're going through something, there's something difficult, there's something hard, the Word of God is saying this about your situation, right? You're hearing about it, about your situation, but it just doesn't match your circumstance. And so at some point, the circumstance becomes more true, more true, you like that? More true, teachers, right? Yeah, more, more true than, than God and what he is saying. You're saying, well, this will never happen. I am giving up hope. I'm giving up hope. And disappointment sets in. I'm disappointed because this didn't work. I'm disappointed because this didn't happen. And this is a priest. He's righteous. He's blameless. But he's disappointed that he didn't get a child. But he's still righteous and blameless and faithful to the work of the Lord. But he's very, very disappointed. This is a man that had cried because he knew he was past the childbearing years. He had held his wife because she had cried because she was past the childbearing years. He had held her, he had looked at her while she was crying he had hurt in the very depth of his soul because his circumstance was he couldn't have a child and he was disappointed because God did not grant that request. And it blinded him to the good news that the angel was giving to him. I would submit to you this morning that when you get disappointed, you are blinded to everything good that's going on in your life. When you have prayed for something, when you want something, when you have reached for something and you really want want to grab onto it and you really want to make that a part of your life and it just doesn't seem to happen, it just doesn't seem to work, you don't seem to be able to grasp at it. As a friend of mine uh, said this week, he said that um, I keep seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, but I find out that it's a train. I just want the light at the end of the tunnel. And you prayed and you prayed and you've reached and you grabbed and you reached and you grabbed. And here is this person speaking truth into your life that doesn't match your circumstances and your disappointment is blinding you to the truth that God is trying to give to you in that moment. How many of us have missed the message that God has given us because we've been disappointed? We're disappointed and that's all we can see is disappointment but we can't see beyond to what is really going on. We can't see beyond to the prison sentence. Come on. We can't see beyond to the things that we are missing. We can't see beyond because of our disappointment. So the angel's telling him he's going to have a child. Wouldn't it be nice if an angel would appear to you Maybe. If you're really disappointed, it doesn't matter if the angel appears to you or not. You'll still doubt that angel. You'll still doubt him. I want to read you these, this verse of Scripture from 2 Peter. You don't have to turn there. But it's in chapter 1. It says this. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention Ladies and gentlemen, this passage of Scripture tells you and me that we have something better than a voice in our head. We have something better then an angel speaking to us in our home and appearing, we have the word of God. And it's a more sure word than anything you might feel God wants you to do, anything you might hear that God wants you to do. It is a more sure word that doesn't change and you can count on it when you are disappointed and when you're not getting that answer to prayer that you need, you can count on the word of God to speak truth into that situation. You just have to let it. You have to let it. So here are a couple of verses. Check this out. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is not Ben Kenobi. Star Wars. Is everybody back with me? Ben Kenobi, Star Wars, he's Okay, it's not Ben Kenobi, because you hear that all the time in Star Wars. Well that that movie's coming out on the twentieth and There are people camping out. I'm glad you're not. I don't know if they've realized this, but there's the internet and you can buy tickets online. Boom. Wow, I don't have to put out a ticket. Okay, anyway. Lord, help them. He needs to be with them. And behold, I am with you always in the days. This is Jesus telling you that he's with you. Check this out. Hebrews 13, five. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. In other words, live righteously and blamelessly. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's one from the Old Testament. It says this, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Sometimes our circumstance, we get so disappointed in our circumstance, we think that God has left us behind. And I'm here to tell you, you need to listen to scripture and know that Jesus hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. He has led you into a valley. And if he's led you into it, he's going to lead you out. But the facts, Philip, the facts, right? I know the facts, the facts, the facts are this. This is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And here are the facts. I'm only being a realist. I want to submit to you this morning that if you have the facts, you only have half of the truth. If you have the facts, you only have half of the truth. So you've got these facts and what you have done is you've interpreted the facts according to your discontentment, according to your disappointment, until you're not getting what you really wanted as quickly as you wanted to get it. And it's the environment that you've created in your mind that is causing you to interpret the facts and follow a lie. The other part of facts is what God says about those facts. And if the facts are, man, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. I don't feel that. God is with me, God is with me, God is with me. The more sure word is that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you until the end of the age, Jesus Christ. So you take these facts and you say, oh yeah, this is bad, but God's with me even though I don't feel like it. He's with me. This is even worse, but God is with me even though I don't feel like it. This is even worse. But God is with me because he has said it multiple times in his word. He is with me, and he will never forsake me. Woo! It's good stuff. Good stuff. But he doesn't stop there, the word of God, speaking into your moment of disappointment and your circumstance. He also says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, For those who are called according to his purpose all things work out for better for good so you have an option either you don't love God and things are getting worse or you love God and things are getting better though you're like how are they getting better 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 come on you know you've you've asked that question I'm not the only one, right? How are they getting better? How are they getting better? How are they getting better? They're getting better because the word of God says that they are. To you, these facts are getting worse and worse and worse. But to God, he's saying, I'm lifting you up, up, up and up. God is not concerned with your destination. He's concerned with your character. He's not concerned with where these things are taking you. He's concerned with how you are developing faith in him and trust in him and relying on him. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That is everything, end of story. We let circumstances speak into our lives way too much. Way too much. We allow our disappointment to color how we view things way too much when the word of God should really cover, color everything that we do and everything that we experience and speak into our moments that we are going through. Jesus Christ wants you to be encouraged in the good times and in the bad times. And he isn't a fair weather friend. He is always with you, always with you, always with you, working things out for you the good. So, back to this. Verse 18 says, And Zachariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. In other words, Gabriel has said, You mean to tell me that I'm an angel from the presence of God and I'm giving you a message from God, and that isn't enough, you need a sign. It would be like us saying, well, the word of God says this, but I need a sign that that's really true. It, is he really with me? Can you just give me a sign that he's really with me? Can you give me a sign that you are really working all things out for better, for good, for them? are you everybody tracking? Because I don't want you to miss this. In verse 20, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. How many of you have ever asked for a sign and things immediately got worse? I'm here to tell you this morning, that was your sign and you asked for it. We always want the sign to be, Lord, if the sun comes up tomorrow and shines on me, I will know that you are blah, blah, blah. Or if someone comes to me with an unexpected gift that is just really nice, I will know that you want me to do this. We always want the signs to be very positive, right? I'll submit to you today that more times than not, when someone asks for a sign in the Bible, it's things get worse. worse. So here's Zachariah. He's wanting the son for a very long time. His prayer is being answered, and all of a sudden, he can't speak. Now I know there might be some people in this room that think, well, that's not that bad. Well, you are not a woman or Aaron Sink. <laughs> He'll get me afterwards. It's something to be silent. And this man was silent for ten to twelve months. Wait a minute, Philip. You have you had the birds and the bees class? Because in that class we learned that there's nine months in the right. Look, he was. Where was he at? Temple. I don't know if you know this or not. His wife lived somewhere else, and there wasn't a train. There was a couple of camels. But you still can't get there that fast. You know, there, there wasn't any way to get there really fast. And, you know, she's pregnant and get back. So he's going to be silent for 10 to 12 months. Three months in the temple, right? He's going to be silent. He's going to think about this. And things have gotten worse. And his sign was something worse. I think I would be careful Asking God for a sign. I think I'd be careful doing that. I think I'd be careful dictating to God what that sign should be. I think I'd be careful doing that too. It is amazing what God does to us at certain times when we want signs and he gives us something and it just gets worse. And what God knows because he's working out things better for you he knows that if he makes it worse, you will become closer to him. That's why he did it. And if he gave you something good, it would hinder your faith from growing. That's what he knows. That's what he knows. So things got worse. So if you've prayed for a sign and things have gotten worse, own it. Own it. Zachariah said, I'm silent. There you go. That's the last one. He said, I'm going to own this. If things get worse, okay, I'm gonna own it. Ask for a sign, this must be the sign. Remarkably, it's like a light switch. I prayed and boom, things got worse. This is it. There's some reason why this is the sign and I'm gonna pray through this one. I'm gonna take it that God is with me. He's answering my prayers, but this is the path that we are on and I'm gonna take the sign and I am going to own it. So in Zachariah's case, he was silent And it drove him to think about scripture in his particular situation. If you've prayed for a sign and it's gotten worse, it has driven you to think about scripture in your particular situation. That is the point. Whether yours is different or not. If it gets worse, it drives you to praying. I guarantee you that Zachariah was driven to praying. He was silent. Really the only person that he could speak to in his mind was God. So he spent a lot of time in prayer and he grew, he grew in his faith. When things get worse, it changes something about the way that you believe. I've been on this journey a very long time with God. And when I started, faith was Disney World. Now it's not. It has grown from the fairy tale type of, if I have faith, God will magically make things appear to he will always answer my prayers. He will always blah, blah, blah to God is not really as concerned about giving me what I'm asking for as he is developing me into the man that I'm supposed to be and into the image of Christ. So that is the goal. So here I stand knowing that he's gonna take me through some more uh, times where I'm gonna have my, my faith tested, right? But I'm going to grow and it's going to change what I believe and make it stronger. He's going to make me stronger. God gives insights into belief. I'm going to tell you today that in the past, I used to be really concerned, like when I was in school, I used to be really concerned about Calvinism and Arminianism. And I'm here to tell you today, I could care less. I care less about those issues. The Bible teaches that I have a choice, and God makes a choice, and it's a mystery how that all works out together. And I'm good with mysteries, and you are too. For instance, it's a mystery to me that The Bachelor has been on TV for 23 years. We live with that mystery every single day. Why not live with the mystery of salvation and just be thankful for it? I choose, he chooses. I don't know how that works out, but I'm glad it does. I'm glad it does. So we go from this this kind of theological jargon over here to actually what God is really trying to get us to do. He is trying to get us to follow and be lights for him in a dark world. He's trying to get us to live for him in our bad times so that people beside us that don't know him can see him and come to know him as their personal savior. In short, we have the same job that he was giving to John the Baptist, who's going to be Zachariah's son. He was supposed to prepare the hearts of the people so that they could accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, right? We have the opportunity, no matter what state we are in, to be a witness to people to prepare their hearts to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. That is our job. That is our job. At the end of the day, anything that you are going through, anything that you are going through is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about you pointing people to him directly or indirectly, them looking at your life and wondering how you do that or not do that. On the way here today, um, I I had a conversation with Quinn and um, I'm very observant of interactions of him and, and his friends and stuff like that. And I, and I told him, I said, look, Quinn, you're a very positive person and you need to hold on to that. You're positive mainly because God has made you that way, but second, because you're a Christian. So you have this group of friends that always complain about stuff. Like he had a, a friend of his complain because she had to go up with her mom and dad to get a tree, and they cut it down, put it on top of the car, they're on the way back on the trip, and it's going to take them two hours to decorate the tree. I mean, Lord, help us if she ever went to a third world country, right? But it's so bad, so negative. And so, so I, pointed, I pointed that out to him, and I said, look, here, here's the deal. At that point, you need to say something like, you know, I really enjoy my family and putting up the tree. In fact, um, you could tell her that you got to go to your papa's house and help him take the tree out of the basement up to their living room, and you help them set up the tree, and it was just a great, a great moment, and you got $25, <laughs> right, from Papa. So this is all positive because what this girl needs to know is that negativity will always take you down, but there are positive things happening in the world, And you are blessed because you're a Christian. You don't even have to tell them. You don't even have to tell them that you go to church or anything like that. She will know there's something different and she will explore. And what that will do in her mind is later in life, I want to have a family like Quinn's family that enjoys going and doing these things, that is positive, that is happy, that is is good. And so Quinn can be that in school, right? He can be that with his friends and you and I can be the same way. It is not that we are not we're somehow you know too positive because you can be too positive hallmark or you can be too negative right you can be too positive too negative it is it is the reality that we take the facts and we interpret the world and those circumstances through God's word and there is no better doctrine to me than redemption. No better doctor. The grace of almighty God looking at me and my sin and saving my soul. How can I complain in this life? How can I complain? I should have been taken behind the woodshed, thrown into hell a long time ago redemption redemption Jesus loves me I'm a child of his He's always with me He's giving me a job to prepare people's hearts for his coming one day his second coming He's giving me that job He's giving you that job It's positive Jesus has chosen to dwell with me and you He's with me He's dwelling He's doing things in my life. He's doing things in your life. That is what we need to focus on. That is what we need to see. Not just the facts and just going down, 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 but the facts in light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Makes all the difference in the world. Jesus is the reason. So real quick, I'm gonna go through a list of what Zechariah says about Jesus because he gets there. Because whereas he thought his whole life was about having a child, he realizes that his whole life is really about Jesus and the coming Messiah. And he has 10 to 12 months to think about this. And so as soon as he says his name is John, he writes it on a piece of whatever they write it on. It's not paper. He didn't text it. You know, he just wrote it. I don't know if it was a piece of rock or whatever he wrote on His mouth opens and he says a couple of amazing things about God. In verse 68 of Luke, I'm just going to read it. I was going to read through this, but I think it's better just to read the word of God. Here we go. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. That's in the past tense. But that is is a past future And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Horn of salvation is not, it's not that horn because that could get irritating. It's actually an ox horn. It's a sign of strength. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old. In other words, I had a, I had a more sure word. If I had just listened to the angel, I could have compared it to scripture and I wouldn't have had to gone through 10 to 12 months of silence. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of those who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, because God keeps his promises. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. By the way, enemies there is just not physical enemies, it's also spiritual enemies, in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give life to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. He got it. But he had to go through silence in order to get there. And that's exactly what happened. I want to end with this. You know, we all know it's impossible for Ellen Miller to have a kid. I'm not saying she's old, but it's impossible for her to have a kid now. She's, she's had children she has grandchildren. She's beyond those years, and Roger is thankful for that, <laughs> right? He's, he's very thankful we're not going to have a little baby now. We can just get the grandkids and send them home, right? That, that's what we're thankful for. It's impossible. That's their circumstance, same circumstances as, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Your circumstance might seem impossible, But I'm here to tell you, God is the God of the impossible. Nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God. Nothing is impossible. And if He says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And if His Word speaks to it, it's going to happen. That's why I have no problem proclaiming stuff that I don't completely understand, because God knows what He's doing. And whereas I don't understand it, doesn't make sense to me in wisdom, it's the way he wants it. And he's the God of the impossible. And if he is saying that my circumstance is working out for the good, for my good, I'm going to grab onto that and say, yes, Lord. I don't feel like it, but yes, Lord. I'm going to trust in that sure word from your word. That's what I'm going to do. God is the God of the impossible. So you might be in a very um, impossible feeling situation. Your facts are impossible. You're very disappointed. You don't know what's going to happen, and you're not sure it's going to work out the way you think it's going to work, and you're really confused, and you're really starting to talk real fast, and you're you're really blah, blah. I want to let you know that God is still working in your situation. He's the God of the impossible, and he is going to get you there. Amen? Amen. To a better day. Let's pray.